Welcome to theories of the third kind. Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. My name is Aaron, and I'm one of your hosts. There are two other hosts that are joining me today, of course. Danielson. Yo, guys. And Anna. Hi-dee-ho. So before we start today's episode, I just want to say, like always, we do not run any ads on this show or take any money from any corporations. So if you would like to help us out, then there's a few ways that you can do that. One of the ways is Patreon. For only $5 a month, which is 16 cents a day, you can sign up for our Patreon and get an extra episode each week. These Patreon episodes are exclusive to members only. Today, we released a Patreon-exclusive episode, which is over the Ouija board. Also, we have several more episodes already locked and loaded for your listening pleasure, such as The Giants, Glitches in the Matrix, The 1985 Philadelphia Bombing, Nexium Cult, Disney Darkness, Isaac Cappy, Ming Martin's Satanic Preschool, Clinton Body Count, FEMA, and much more. In total, as of today, we have over 22 extra Patreon episodes, which you get access to all of them for just five bucks a month. Another way to support the show is through merchandise. Just teleport on over to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com, and click the shop button. Then you can see all the merch we have for sale. T-shirt, hats, we got hoodies coming in. We're going to release those uh, this week as well. Go check it out. See what, what we got going on. And you guys, we do know that times are tough out there right now. So if you can't afford a shirt or a Patreon membership, but you want to help us out, then you can leave us a written review on iTunes, and that helps us out a ton. If you don't want to leave one, though, then that's fine. We just want you guys, girls, aliens, reptilians, Bigfoot, Sasquatches, Chupacabras, Ghosts, Alex Jones, Illuminati members, Underground Lizard people, whoever or whatever you are, to enjoy the show. Also, one last thing. If any of you would like to reach out to us, then you can shoot us a message on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, or you can go to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com, and click on the contact button, and there you will find our email addresses. So today's episode is Ghost Stories, Halloween edition, 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 edition. So how this episode will go today is that we will first cover a quick overview of what ghosts are. Then we will go into the first ever ghost encounter and then some notable ghost stories from a couple celebrities that tell them themselves and then a famous case in Brazil. And then we go into listener submitted ghost stories and then, of course, wrap it all up with our theories behind it all. So with that being said, let's get into today's episode. So, Dan, do you want to tell us what are ghosts? Sure. A ghost, sometimes known as an apparition, haunting, poltergeist, or spirit, is what some say is the soul or spirit of a person or animal that can appear to the living. Description of ghosts vary widely from an invisible presence to translucent or barely visible wispy shapes to realistic lifelike forms. They are believed to haunt particular locations, objects, or people they were associated with in life. And I mean, that's pretty much a basic description of what ghosts are. And I'm sure everybody knows that. One of the first ever ghost encounters was recorded in the first century AD. The Roman author Pliny wrote about a ghost encounter in one of his letters. 
Pliny reported that a ghost of an old man with a long beard and rattling chains was roaming his house in Athens, Greece. Centuries later, in 856 AD, the first poltergeist, which is a ghost that causes physical disturbances such as loud noises or objects falling or being thrown around, was reported at a farmhouse in Germany. The poltergeist tormented the family living there by throwing stones, moving furniture, knocking on walls, starting fires, and the family even reported at nighttime that the poltergeist would make terrifying noises of evil crying and laughter. Boy, I'd be, I'd be moving out of that house pretty quickly. Oh, yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Nope. Would not stay. No. Now, that is the first ever recorded encounters of ghosts and poltergeists in history. But before we move into listener-submitted stories, like we said, we're going to cover a few notable ghost stories. So the first notable ghost story that we're going to talk about is one from Marilyn Manson. If you're unfamiliar with who he is, basically he's a very popular singer for the band Marilyn Manson, of course. Uh, He's also an actor and a writer. Uh, We do have a short 90-second clip that we're going to listen to where Marilyn Manson tells his story and what happened. So we're going to play that right now. I remember early on as a kid, I visited one of my great-grandparents' homes, which now in retrospect seemed like a picnic outside of a funeral. They were mostly too old to be on this earth. One of them died. And I remember going upstairs and there being scary noises and I could hear talking and it was very scary. And then I thought maybe it was, um, you know, like a car radio or I thought it was, you know, sounds from the street. But I realized really quickly there was no freeway nearby. It was never ghosts so much that I was afraid of, but I was afraid of the supernatural one, maybe more related to evil. People's energy stays with things that they were attached to. So when it comes to a house, if someone was really attached to that and wasn't ready to die, I think that that house is gonna be haunted. It is scary to me when you feel uncomfortable every time you go to sleep. You don't have to be attacked by something to know that a place is haunted. So what do y'all uh, think of that clip? I didn't know that he had encounters like that. I think that sounds like a pretty average account of what people are like who have seen ghosts. You sound like, I mean, I know people look at Marilyn Manson like a very uh, interesting individual. But in that, he just sounded like a normal person talking about their ghost experience. Yeah. Yeah, he is. He's a he's actually extremely intelligent. Most people think, you know, just because he acts different and the music he does, he's not an intelligent person. But that's quite the opposite, you know. Mm -hmm. And he did mention something in there about spirits attaching themselves to certain things. And that reminded me of our Ouija board episode on Patreon and how we kind of discussed that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, very interesting stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You said Jack Osborne had one as well? Yeah. Um, it's actually him and his father who encountered one, but Jack tells it. So, Dan, do you want to tell us about that? This uh, next story is from Jack Osborne, of course. 
And we all know he's the famous son of Ozzy Osbourne. And please tell me y'all know who Ozzy Osbourne is. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Famous metal singer. Yeah. The famous guy on stage who bites the head off a bat just out of the air, you know. When you're hungry, you got to have a snack. You got to go. So we have a pretty much another short 90-second clip that we are going to listen to where Jack tells us about what him and his dad had encountered. So let's take a listen to that one right now. I grew up in a county just northwest of London. The county's called Buckinghamshire. And it's a very, very old historical part of England. The house that I lived in was very, very old. And I think because of the house being so old, I think it had some, uh, a bit of unknown history to us. My dad and I were, were in watching TV again in, in my parents' bedroom. All of a sudden, we see this shadowy figure. It's about the size of a human. You can make out like human figure, but you can't make out detail. We shot up in bed and we looked down the hall started walking down the hall very quickly at like a brisk pace then it just stopped and disappeared I was like did you just see that and he's like yeah yeah we both saw the exact same thing at the exact same time and I know he's just seen the same thing from the look on his face so that's his story now one of the biggest arguments I have with ghost stories is most of the time it's only one individual seeing something. So I kind of want to go to the person maybe hallucinating. But when it's two people seeing the thing, like him and his father, Jack and Ozzy, that kind of adds more credibility and it doesn't make me want to go to the automatic hallucination thing. It makes me want to go to, okay, maybe there is some type of spirit in that house or roaming around there. His sounded a bit more intense than Marilyn Manson's. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Do you find it interesting that they're both in that same genre of music and each have a connection to that realm? Mm, not necessarily. I think, well, I, I, don't, I don't really think so because, I mean, as we'll see, I mean, you don't necessarily have to be in some sort of like metal or type band to have these encounters. You know, and I think theirs is quite mild compared to what we're going to get into, Uh, especially this next case is absolutely insane. Yeah. I mean, I definitely don't think you have to be attached to metal music or anything, but I just wasn't sure if maybe that type of energy that you surround yourself with by being a part of that might open you up to more negative spirits coming through versus just a, a ghost. Could be a possibility. Could be. Do I feel a theory coming on, Anna? You get the tingles of a hypothesis of a theory coming on? I'm getting some sort of tingles. Oh. Uh-oh. So Anna likes ghost stories. <laughs> just puts me in the mood. It's just like the most famous Brazilian case here. So this one that we're discussing does not come from a celebrity. But it is the most famous ghost occurrence to ever occur in Brazil. So... In 1965, an 11-year-old girl named Maria Jose Ferreira 
and her family who lived in Jabushkabal, Brazil, they started to encounter weird happenings. Maria and her family started to notice bricks and stones materializing out of thin air inside their home. Eventually, these bricks and stones began to smash things, like Hulk. Holy sh! Oh my god. Um, the largest rock found was 8.2 pounds, or 3.7 kilograms, and some of the stones were magnetic. When the rocks eventually stopped appearing, furniture started being thrown around. Maria's family decided to call in a local priest to bless the house. After the blessings, all the rocks had stopped, but things started to happen to Maria. She would randomly cry out in pain and pull up her shirt to show fresh bite marks. Also, random bruises would appear all over her body. The family called in a priest who performed an exorcism, but during it, needles suddenly appeared embedded in Maria's skin. Even after the exorcism, needles continued to appear inside of her skin. On one occasion, 55 of them had to be removed from a single ankle. The poltergeist already would make objects float in midair, only in Maria's room, and then drop them on top of her while she tried to sleep. The problems continued to get worse as the days passed. Eventually, following her to school, where one day her clothes spontaneously caught on fire in the lunchroom. Oh, my lord, this poor woman. The attacks went on for a year before Maria went to see a medium. You figured after a week she would go see it, or maybe even after a day. Hell yeah. The psychic said that Maria had been a witch in a previous life, and during her witchery, she had killed a person, and that person's spirit held a grudge and was haunting her. The psychic went on to say that this ghost had planned to haunt Maria for her entire life. That life was sadly short. At the age of 16, Maria poisoned herself. When she was gone, all activity in the home had stopped. Damn. Dang. All right, so those are some notable ghost stories. Now we're going to transition into listener-submitted ghost stories. And we have quite a few. In this first ghost story that we're going to talk about, uh, the person who submitted it wished to remain anonymous. So we're going to honor that. So the story starts off with, When I was nine years old, my dad got stationed in Okinawa, Japan. It was just my dad, my mom, and myself since my siblings were all over 18. We didn't go into base housing right away. I want to say we did not because there was not enough vacancies, but I could be wrong. It was a long time ago. So we rented an apartment off base. I remember it pretty well, just not the exact location. I know it was down the road from Tori Station, which was one of the bases there. It was all concrete and we had to go up four sets of steep stairs to get up to our apartment. There weren't many other apartments. I don't even remember there being another floor of apartments. But when you walked up the stairs, there was one apartment just to your left, 
another a few feet down to the right, and then two more at the end. They showed us into the third door. They said that they had torn down the wall in between this apartment unit and that the one furthest to the right. So we got a four bedroom, two bathroom apartment. It was a great deal for us. There was a partially enclosed balcony that you could enter from any room and individual air units in each room as well. We decided to sign the lease and moved all of our things in. My mother being my mother had to know the neighbors. So when she saw the lady from the apartment from right when you came up the stairs, she of course said hello and tried to talk to her. Luckily, she spoke English, so it was pretty easy to chat. When I was at school one day, not too long after we moved in, my mom was out on the balcony hanging up some of our clothes to dry. She heard a man from the apartment over saying something, and she tried to say hello back and ask if someone was over there, but she did not get a reply after that. She thought maybe she had upset our neighbor, so she went down to the first lady she met and asked who lived there, and if she knew them, and told her what had happened. The lady told her that no one lives there. No one has lived there as long as she had rented that apartment. They use it for their storage and it is for their personnel only. Logically, my mother thinks that maybe a worker was in there trying to get something from the storage room. Well, a couple days later, she hears the same voice say hello to her. She says hello back, but again, gets no response. About a week later, I believe it was Sunday evening. She went into the side of the apartment where my room and bathroom were, the side of the apartment that was connected to the empty apartment, and found me sitting in the shower, facing the wall and having a full-on conversation. I had zero recollections of this. She said she thought it was a bit odd and just let me continue playing. A few days later, she stumbled upon the same thing, except this time, I was holding a baby doll. Again, she thought it was weird, but figured I was playing and I had no friends to play with, so it was still pretty normal. My mother spent the following week at that home alone because she didn't work at that time and she kept feeling like something was up. She would get chills throughout her whole body and get that sick feeling in the pit of her stomach. The two days she did laundry that week, she didn't hear a voice say hello. Instead, she heard a man laugh. So the next time that she caught me sitting in the shower and talking to the wall, she asked me what I was doing. I did not reply to her. She asked again, and I still did not reply. She got right up behind me and asked me what I was doing, and I told her I didn't know. The next day, when it was just her and I driving to church, she asked me about it, and I told her that I didn't remember any of it. My mother moved my room to be beside my parents that day. That night I woke up and found that I had wet the bed. I was nine and that wasn't a normal thing. So of course I went in and told my mom because I had gross pee sheets. That happened the next three nights in a row. My mom started writing Bible verses and taping them to the walls. She had even poured salt across all the door and window openings. And after the fourth night of me wetting my bed and telling her that I was scared when I woke up, she started making me sleep on the floor in their room. She told me it was to save on the energy bills since each room had an air unit. I remember one night I had to go to the shower before bed and going into the bathroom. On their side still, none of us went on the other side anymore. There were big water bug roaches crawling on the wall around the light switch and in the tub. Of course, my dad killed them and told me to shower anyways because bugs are bigger on islands and it was fine. 
shower went as usual and off I went to sleep on the floor. In the wee mornings where the Navy makes you get up at these ungodly times to do whatever they want, my dad got up and started getting ready. My mom saw the darkness of a man standing over me and asked my dad, what are you doing? The darkness shadow man came to stand over her and bent down to where he was practically face to face. She tried to call out for my dad when she felt hands around her neck. Whoever or whatever it was had started to strangle her. It wasn't until my dad came in the room checking on her because he heard her moving around so much. He sat on the bed next to her and right as he sat down, the spirit, ghost, demon, whatever it was, went away. Needless to say, we moved out as soon as possible. I don't remember hardly anything from the months that we lived there. I remember about three different instances of the time we spent there and I remember a lot about times before that. My mom didn't tell me about any of this until after we left the country and moved back to the States. We still have no idea what it was or why that spirit was there. Hmm. I tell you, the freakiest thing is her sitting in the shower staring at the wall. Yeah. I agree. The mask, what are you doing? And I don't know. <laughs> and having a full-on conversation with somebody or a corner of the shower. Yeah, that as well. Holy smokes. Hmm. That'd be a no for me. Yeah. I wonder what happened to that guy. Did he die in the shower? Slipped in his head? You mean the being? Yeah, the entity. Oh, yeah. Maybe. Because it uh, started in the other, like, I guess in the other apartment or the storage area. It, I guess it was talking with her through the wall. And then next thing you know, it's, I guess, in the bedroom with the mom. Trying to choke her out like Hulk Hogan and Undertaker in 1992 Hell in a Cell match. Fuck, man. All right, nerd. You still got mania on your mind from Ouija mania. Ouija mania. Let me tell you something, brother. You get down here and you get your Ouija board. Ouija mania. Snap it to a Ouija board. <laughs> <laughs> no, but thank you for the story, Anonymous. You know who you are, who submitted it. So thank you for that one. It's a great one. Yeah. Really painted a picture. I appreciate you. Yep. Hopefully you didn't carry any spirits with you when you left. Oh, yeah. Hope not. I'm never going to Okinawa and taking a shower. This next listener submitted story is from Seth. I think I was followed by a poltergeist for quite some time as a young teen. I'm now 26. It started after we moved into this house on a hill with a long drive and a big oak tree that someone hung themselves in, which we found out after moving in. The house never felt right, if you know what I mean. It was never homey. The very first night we were moving stuff in, late at night, we finished and decided to stay the night there. So we're settling in, trying to get comfy, and all the motion lights and alarm sensors at every door went off at the same time. Fast forward a few weeks, doors are slamming, closed and open, here and there lights are turning on and off, computer typing randomly shit on its own. Not words, just random letters. Then the shadow in the screen of the window appears. My grandma thinks it's just dirt, so she tries to wash the screen, and the same shadow or silhouette appears every time, just hours later. 
We end up moving again about a year or so and end up in SoCal. Months go by, everything is normal, until once again, windows and doors and electronics start acting up again. At this point, we're getting used to it, until it escalates. Things getting thrown from my room and ending up in the living room, canned foods being stacked very oddly with all cabinet doors open, and everything from the fridge ending up on the counters stacked weirdly as well. Of course, I was blamed, go figure. That is until I was away for a few days at a friend's house and it happened again. Long story short, we had a priest come in and bless the house and family and ever since then, nothing else has happened. Usually, the complete opposite happens when you have a priest come and bless the house. It seems to intensify. Yeah. So I'm quite surprised at the ending of that. Yeah. Hmm. Every spirit's different, so maybe that's all this one needed, but that would be so intense. I always find it really intriguing, the uh, stacking and rearranging of things in an instant. Looking at your canned food goods and then seeing them stacked up all crazy, or food from your kitchen or from your refrigerator on the kitchen counter all stacked weird that would be stuff that really freaked me out yeah that was a great story seth uh, yeah. thank you for sharing that with us yes thank you it's like the ghost had a uh, ocd wanted to stack the stuff in a certain way yes <laughs> god damn it <laughs> all right so the next story we have is from itzel aka carla Back in 2010, when I was 15, I was sleeping on my left side, facing the wall, when I felt someone breathing on my face, which woke me up. I opened my eyes and saw a shadow inches away from my face, but when it saw my eyes opened, it ducked down and like crawled out of my room and shut the door. Screw the No shit. Hell no. <laughs> that no way. That must be a beginner spirit. It couldn't manifest itself to be invisible, so it did a human thing and just crawled out. <laughs> it's like, what do we do? What, what do I do? At that moment, I thought it was probably my sister's husband thinking I was her. So after that happened, I decided to turn and lay on my right side now, facing the door. I kid you not, minutes passed and my door started to open up slowly. And that's when I saw it. I'm not exactly sure what it even was, but it clearly had the shape of a man, at least from the waist up. But the weird thing was, you couldn't exactly see any facial features. You couldn't see a mouth or a nose or ears, just basically a black shadow. And the creepiest part were the eyes. If you've ever seen a cat's eyes at night in the dark glowing, well, that's how they were. They were glowing and it was just watching me, tilting its head from one shoulder to the other. I felt my heart beating throughout my entire body and I completely froze. I'm Mexican and they have this saying, if you ever encounter something supernatural, to cuss them out and they'll leave. So when I came to my senses, I yelled, what the fuck? And it immediately closed the door. I ran to hold on to the door to make sure it wouldn't try to come back inside, and I yelled for my parents and told them what happened. 
They asked me if I was sure I wasn't dreaming, and I told them no. I felt it breathing on my face, and I clearly saw it. So my dad went looking throughout the entire house, but found nothing. Every single door, every window, everything was locked. I regret not paying attention to the feet to see if it was floating or actually standing. I think back and wonder why I didn't grab my phone and take a picture with Flash when it was standing watching me, but I'd probably end up traumatized with whatever would have came up in that photo. I've told this story so many times to people and they are often always shocked and get chills from the details and how I remember literally everything as if it just happened a night before. That's intense. It is. I got chills. The balls on her for going to the door to hold it shut against the spirit. Yes. I'm in- Okay, so I'm intrigued on what kind of spirit it was. If it had to crawl out the room to get out and then only a couple minutes pass and it tries to poke its head in like a parent checking in to see if its child is asleep. Ooh, are you asleep, honey? Okay, no, I'll leave again. And then to just stare at her, tilting its head, like, what are you? How can you see me? I thought I'm invisible. So I'm going to bring this up only because I thought about it and I wanted to check and make sure that what I remembered was correct. So there's a demon uh, called Baal, B-A-E-L. And it has basically spider feet, so it crawls and it can raise itself up and dip itself down. It has three heads. It has a toad, a human head, and then a cat head. You know, what if that was something she saw? Bell raised his body up, looking at her, and then when she noticed him, and he noticed her noticing it, or him, he foom, ducks down because he dips down like a spider and crawls. It looks like he's crawling out, but crawls out. Then he comes back into the room looking at her, but she sees the heads going like that because it has three heads. And then sees the cat eyes because there is a cat head on them. I don't know. Just a theory. Why do you think that she didn't see more heads at once then? When it was just standing there as a human form as she saw it initially? I, I don't know. That's a good question. Lisa was nice enough to use the door. Yeah. It's not like the Kool-Aid man. Doof. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, I do give her props. Like Anna said. Fucking rushing to the door to hold it closed mm-hmm. but man she was saying like she's not sure why she didn't grab her phone and take a picture i mean at that point i don't think anybody's gonna think i need to get a picture of this no. there's like no way like i'd be able to do that i'm not saying that no one else could but that's not the first thing that comes to mind well, i wonder if she sees this image if it'll trigger anything for her i'll shoot it over to her in an email and ask her if that's what she potentially saw. Anyways, that's a very uh, interesting and fascinating story. And thank you, Carla slash Itzel, for sharing that with us. Yes, thank you. Yeah, these stories both have been really good so far. They have. Our next one is a story submitted from Sergio. When I was a preteen around 11 or 12 growing up in Chicago... We moved into this new big house when I was about six or seven. The setting takes place in a house with a big unfinished basement, had two creepy rooms in it, and there was an old ass piano down there that came with the house. 
it was one of those old western ones that had some shit in the middle that, that made it play by itself. We would hear faint notes play every now and then, but we thought it was probably a rat. You know, Chicago has huge ass rats. Anyways, that wasn't the creepy part. Every now and then at night, we would hear footsteps or something dragging coming from the attic at night. And then this was when I would wake up in the middle of the night after a bad dream. And one other dream that I remember to this day, it was me hearing a knock on the front door. I went to go look and in the corner of the room, I thought was my dad kneeling down in the shadow, but I couldn't see him. So I got closer Then a long arm came out of the darkness and grabbed my ankle and pulled me into the dark corner and made me feel like I fell into a dark hole of nothingness. It felt so real, my scream was silent. I had dreams like this all the time. My dad thought it was a good idea to finish a room in the attic for me when my youngest brother was born. It was two flights of stairs to get there, and these were old-ass creaky stairs, bro. No drywall looking. Shit, unfinished floors. Once you reach the top of the attic, you walk the unfinished hallway. Looks creepy as fuck. Because there's only one light bulb, no windows. Then there's a finished room at the front of the house. That's my new room. Here, where it gets freaky. I remember almost every night me waking up at like 3 or 4 a.m. to a loud slam on my door. Footsteps clear as day. My mom even asked what I was doing up so late. I would wake up in sleep paralysis, constantly unable to scream. I felt something on top of me. I even felt the matches depressed like I had something on me. I swear I felt a breath on me even. I would try and shut my eyes as hard as I could. I didn't want to see it. I would pray some Catholic prayers I learned in Sunday school, but nothing worked. It felt like I was going through this for eternity. Around the same time, my younger brother would sleepwalk to the basement when he was five. This happened multiple times. My mom finally thought there was something going on, so she got a priest to bless the house, and she did this multiple times. We even started calling whatever this is, La Villita, the old lady in Spanish. I was so tired of sleeping up there that I started sleeping in the living room, but she would still get me. I would wake up and feel the weight on my chest or back and I was unable to move or scream. The only way I learned to cope with this was because of some advice I got from an uncle. He told me to cuss it out, so I did. As soon as I felt that old bitch on my chest, I let her have it. Fuck you, bitch chinga tu madre cabrona. And it would end. We ended up moving and I don't have that shit going on anymore. But I still get sleep paralysis every now and then. But I feel calm and peaceful when I do. I even see some strange shit like the one time the ceiling morphed into a feathered looking eel thing and got in my face and I just stared back. The only shitty thing now is no matter what dream I'm having, if I'm in a house, it's that fucking house. Can we just talk about him just slightly glazing over the fact his ceiling morphed into a feathered looking eel? And he just stared longingly into his eyes. He's like, eh, it's no big deal. It's just this feather eel coming down on me. That's like the most, that's the weirdest thing out of this whole story. Uh, yeah. I think that he conquered the fear of the unknown. And so he took control of his dream. Yeah. Kind of like we talked about in the dreams. Dream, was it dreams or hemisync? I think it was hemisync. When you talk about going into sleep paralysis you tend to see a shadow being or a dark entity and you feel like you're being suffocated. And maybe this was another defender 
of the realms that was like, you're not coming into phase 12 or whatever it is. I can't remember now. Uh, but then Sergio was like, I've seen worse than you. And just stared him back. Get your ass out of here. Damn. That almost makes me think, you know, you bring that up. You know how I have to sleep with background noise, like a fan or something? Because if I don't, I don't sleep very well. Hmm. Is it possible that the background noise, like, was it, uh, I guess, kind of blinds out a certain type of frequency we hear when we sleep that causes this stuff? Ooh. That's a good question, Dan. Because I don't, I don't know if he has a, any background noise going on at all, like a fan or something. But, I mean, I wonder if that's a possibility. Well, I think it would allow you to tap into certain frequencies depending on the sound of your fan going. Because, you know, you have the binaural beats where you listen to certain sounds to get you to a meditative state. So maybe there's something about the background noise that you choose that helps you to sleep in the correct state in which you need to to have these certain dreams. Interesting. Silence, I think, freaks a lot of us out. We don't like to be alone with our thoughts. Dude, I know I want to be able to stand that uh, silent room where you can start hearing the blood flow through your body and stuff. Uh-uh. I would so want to hear that. After a certain amount of time, like they say that people just start going crazy in there. Well, I know at one time on the show, I mentioned a guy that was on Rogan who did a trek through, I think it was the Gobi Desert, and there's a part that is so silent that you hear your, the hum of your body, because we do have electricity running through our body, and he said he kept hearing this sound where he thought he had a punctured tire on his little trailer thing he was pulling. And then he'd stop, and then he'd hear the sound. And he walked away from his trailer to make sure like he was hearing what he was hearing. And then it hit him that this was the part in his trek that someone told him that you'll hear the quietest sound of your life. And you will never, ever, ever sit in silence in this whole world. Because even in the quietest of places, you will still hear yourself working and he's only ever heard it that hum of his essence of who he is when he was doing that trek that would be intense to hear kind of scary anyway so that was a that was an interesting story yeah i think it's so strange that the two stories back to back had to do with swearing at these ghosts to get them to stop doing what they're doing yeah, and it wasn't purposely put like that. There's copy and pasted stories mm-hmm. that were submitted to us, and they were actually the ones that, you know, were put together unknowingly that they would have that same thing in them. So, what a coincidence. I do agree. You're right, though. These stories just keep getting weirder and weirder as we go along. So, this next story that we have is from Andy, a.k.a. Asavet21. I was visiting my family in Southeast Asia. I was around 10 years old, and this was at my aunt's house. Now, my grandma has been gone for a long time, and I never met her. Long story short, I was sitting in my uncle's bedroom playing video games, 
and the door to the room opened right up. Ten-year-old Andy freaks the hell out and leaves. Now, my dumbass walks through the door that just opened on its own. <laughs> I go to tell my aunt and she says, Oh, don't worry about it. That's grandma. Apparently they see her all the time on the stairs and she was just curious about me because she had never met me before. Everyone talked like it was absolutely normal and not a big deal. What a good family. Jesus. I love that. Accepting it. Yeah. What a great story. It is. You still get to hang out with your grandma. Yeah. She's like the crypt keeper. <laughs> they got a little storage area where she comes up. <laughs> that was a good show. It Tales was. from the crypt. I mean, I do, I do admit, Asians, because I know my mom and her family, they definitely believe in spirits coming back and not doing anything evil, but you know, coming around, checking in on you, seeing how you are, and all that. So, I mean, it's what you believe, I guess. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for that story, Andy. Yes, thank you. Love you. Yes, thank you very much, man. All right. This next submitted story is from Lexi. My son is one and a half. He's usually a very good sleeper, deep sleeper. The last few weeks, almost nightly, he will wake up around 1.30 a.m. to 2 a.m. in the morning. The first time this happened, I could hear him talking. He is at the age where he is forming sentences, but they are bits and pieces, of course. So I sit there and listen. I hear, what's that? Followed by a brief pause and then a, hi. He continues to babble with pauses. I hear him say, mommy, grandma, his cousin's name. He talked about outside and onward, his favorite movie. Then he took a long pause and said, Mommy, Mommy's asleep. To this, I got up and grabbed him from his crib to try to settle him and coax him back to sleep. I asked, Who are you talking to, baby? To which he responded, Papa. I told him Papa was asleep and at home. My son proceeded to look past me at the same spot on the wall to which he was talking and said, no, no, no. Papa. And then he pointed to the wall and giggled. The first time I was super nervous and stayed up with him. The second time, it was extremely similar. I put him back to bed and was awoken to him talking to the same spot again. I let him carry on the conversation for about an hour. I then told him it was time to go to night-night. He blew a kiss at the wall and said, Night-night, Papa. This has continued to happen. The real kicker for me is my son isn't referring to his papa who was asleep and at home, but his other papa, whom is dead. My dad passed when I was young, and my grandmother tells me that my son is my father reincarnated. Same demeanor, same features, and even a similar personality. My son also has my grandfather's, so his great-grandfather's, name as his middle name. This has been going on for a while, and I just can't shake it as his imagination anymore. I got chills. Yeah. Okay. I feel like I got so much to unpack here. For one, I'm amazed that your baby could have a conversation for an hour. That's awesome. Work on them skills. <laughs> Look at me. Look at me. Get your ass to sleep. I'm not. It's two o'clock. Get your ass to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Say, Papa? Papa? 
No, no, we ain't having no witchcraft around here. Be gone. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I do believe that people can reincarnate into the family again, even when there's members still alive in it. I really like this story. And if it's still continuing, I guess that's kind of... Get it on tape. Ooh. And send it over. Ooh. I like that. I'd like to see that. Show me the baby. Or at least audio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be some great audio to get. I was just thinking if we broke it down, we might be able to hear him talking back to the baby. Mm. Ooh. Shoot us your address. We're going we're gonna to come on over. Yes. And make room for us. Make room for three more people in your bed. We're staying the night. We're listening. We like to snuggle, too, so be ready. Thank you for that story, uh, Lexi. Thank you for sharing that. Yes, thank you. Appreciate it a lot. The next story we got is from Cody. There is this place called the Purple Church in Midwest City, Spencer, Oklahoma. Me and a couple buddies, for namesake, Mike and Josh, decided to visit some haunted places here close to us and came up with going to the Purple Church. Now, we read up on others' experiences and, well... We didn't have quite the same, as the story goes with that place. While there is little to no evidence that human sacrifices are or have ever been conducted at the Purple Church, there are plenty of eyewitness accounts that say that animal sacrifices that are routinely conducted, dead and mutilated animals, as well as animal bones, have been found hanging from the trees on makeshift altars and along the path leading to the Purple Church. In one tale, a witness claimed to have found a tub full of animal body parts. As far as the paranormal stories go, there is actually very little information on that. Although, the Purple Church has a widespread reputation as a haunted location. Strange floating lights in the woods, disembodied voices, and a smell of death are the most widely reported incidents. Again, many visitors to this site, including those in law enforcement, the military, and other stations in life, we'd consider more credible when it comes to reporting have had similar horrifying incidents with the living. People claim to be chased out of the area by men in robes, they've had shotguns pulled on them, or have otherwise been threatened. Some witnesses claim that nails are regularly thrown into the road in order to damage tires and possibly strand people in the area. Others were chased down the road by someone in a large truck, usually with its headlights turned off. Ooh, jeepers creepers. Mm-hmm. But our night wasn't quite like that at all. When we got to the endish of the road, we parked our car, grabbed a beer to calm the nerves, but we walked to the area where the slab and basement cellar was and started hearing what sounded like chanting. Mike started shining his light everywhere. Nothing. So we kept walking around and found what looked like rib bones from different animals. Just shook it off thinking maybe coyotes. So after the bones and the chanting noises, we dumbasses decided to walk into the cellar thing that's supposed to be filled. As we started down the steps, it seemed to get really chilly, but it was like 85 outside. When we got down to the bottom and took a few steps in, we started to hear a low, deep growl. What sounded like someone yelling, Get out! You're not wanted here. So by now I'm saying, fuck this shit, I'm out. We took off towards the stairs and look up at the top to see three shadows looking dog type things. Josh throws his still unopened beer at them and it goes right through. 
We turned back around to find like a stick or something to hit these damn things. Not sure why when we just threw a can right through them. But as we turned around to find a stick, there was a huge ass figure looking thing and I just took off up the stairs where the dog looking things were. But they were no longer there, so my ass was gone. Running as fast as I could to get back to the car and lock that bitch. In a few minutes, Mike and Josh got to the car and then we were gone. Dude, he just left Mike and Josh. <laughs> yeah. You're on your own, fools. I just have to outrun you guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that purple church, man. We got to go to that. We got to put that on our list. Places to visit. Dude, I got to yeah. look it up. Purple church. Do you think that those were ghost dogs that had been sacrificed and are lingering there like a pack just hanging out? Possibly. I mean, they did say that there was a bunch of animal bones that had been found there. Hmm. That's an interesting story. Um, Did you look up the Purple Church? Yeah, I'm looking it up and... Huh. So they went during the daytime. Literally, the cellar is just like a... So I guess the rest of the building is tore down. And all that's left is like the cellar-looking part. And there's like no door on the cellar, it looks like. No. But you walk down into it and it's just a room. The many sources online saying that Sean Sellers, the 16-year-old alleged Satanist, convicted of killing both of his parents and a convenience store clerk, was instrumental in first using the property for these satanic cult ritual purposes. Similar tales involve mothers sacrificing newborn babies there. Hmm. Ah, so I went to this site here. And if you scroll down, there's a video at about 1.59, two minutes in. There's a half ripped open or half ripped open box of, uh, for a Ouija board. So, so someone went in there and did a Ouija board. Opening up the gates of hell in there. And that I think is actually the nickname of the purple church. Someone's like, do you think you could handle visiting this gateway to the underworld? Hmm. Damn. No, thank you. Well, Cody, got some balls on you, sir. Yeah. Who who spray paints weed on the inside of the fucking thing? Jesus. Yeah. Inside of that cellar, somebody spray painted weed really big. Makes me want to think that they're just like, you you demons in here need to smoke. Need to relax. Well, thank you for that one, Cody. Kind of scary. I'm glad y'all made it out of there safe. For sure. Yeah, going in that thing at nighttime would be absolutely terrifying. Even if it's just a little thing, I could almost feel some energy just looking at that picture. Nice. All right. This next one comes from Atlantis. This story is about my cousin Cecilia and the aftermath of playing with a Ouija board. Ooh. Oh, man, I hate these things. Cece was about 13 when she began playing the Ouija board game, and though the details of what she would have experienced are a little shaky, soon after she began blacking out and she would wake up in different places of the house, her brother and parents don't think much of this, and they just brushed it off as a teen wanting nothing but attention. But one day, when Cece and her brother were alone at home, she had a blackout episode. Her brother Robert saw her walking around the house with a sinister grin on her face. She looked at him and approached him, 
Saying nothing, Robert asked to knock it off and leave him alone, and he left. A week went by, and the house started getting paranormal activity. Stuff would go missing, someone would knock at the door at odd times of the night. That same week, my cousin Cece was in her room, and her and Robert were getting into an argument. Her rage was out of control, and it wasn't like her to be this way. Shortly after, what had been causing her to black out, took over her body and pushed Robert across the room with unimaginable force, causing him to pass out. It was time to act. My family is very religious, very Catholic, so they didn't take this lightly, and they called a priest the next day. They set up a meeting with the priest and met up at my grandmother's house. The house had been known ever since my dad was little to be high on spiritual activity, almost as if it was a portal. In any case, the priest gets there and starts setting up in the living room. My grandma is there. Cece is there and her dad. My uncle Ramon, who lived there, was also there with his family. Priest starts the exorcism and soon my cousin drops to the floor and starts twisting and turning like a worm on the floor. Whatever is inside her screams in the deepest, most demonic voice you can think of. She then stops, looks at the priest, and starts laughing. It starts screaming and then crying. The emotions are through the roof and his face is evil. Cece wasn't in her body anymore. It was this thing that had taken over. It took about three hours for her to calm down and regain her body back. When Cece came to, she had something to share. She said that when the exorcism was going on, she was standing next to the priest and that she could see her body twisting and turning in the ground. She then noticed that by grandma, there was a demonic star the one that Baphomet is drawn into. The star was trying to attack my grandma and get into her, but my deceased grandpa and his two dead older sons were there protecting her. They were fighting off whatever this was. She was too young to have met my uncles who had died when they were young, but she described them to a T. It was all good after that. She mentioned that Grandpa was resting in the room before he had to leave. She went home and rested. The presence in her didn't leave. She had one last episode following these events. But after that, it never happened again to this day. The priest, unfortunately, passed away three months later of unknown causes. And even though we don't know if it's related, one could only wonder. Dang, crazy. It was a good idea we didn't go and take the Ouija board in the middle of the uh, woods. Yeah, I will stand by that decision. Just a little bit. Oof. <laughs> you just can't mess with those Ouija boards, man. Don't. Yeah, Aaron, you just can't mess with those things, man. You Peer pressuring people doing Ouija board. I think it's beautiful, though, that she, she was able to remember her experience and see past relatives and then it also creates a peace in us to know that even though we can't see things 
And we are probably trying to be attacked a lot more than we realize that we have beings that are watching out for us in places we can't see. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Man, that was a great, great story. Thank you for sharing that with us, Atlantis. Thank you so much, man. Yeah, definitely appreciate you emailing that to me. So this next story we have is from Tyler K. A few years ago, when my wife and I started dating, I was in a very tough spot with my sister. We weren't talking, and every time she could, she would try to make me feel miserable and show me how mad she was. One thing me and my wife first discussed when we were dating was spirits and how we felt about them. A few months into us dating, my sister called to tell me that her boyfriend had proposed to her and they were getting married. I was devastated. Not that she was engaged, but that I couldn't share the moment with her because of this ongoing feud. I got very upset and depressed and extremely stressed about it. Like I said, I was devastated. The following day, I went to meet my now in-laws and my wife constantly told me how her house was haunted and a spirit roamed her halls. I had a few experiences earlier on in my life dealing with spirits in a moment of talking with my grandparents after they had passed away. She wanted to see if I could feel the energy. She took me to the place in her house where you could feel the energy the most. I walked up to the closet. She said she could feel it and instantly thought this wasn't good and I needed to leave. I felt like something had attached itself to me. That night, when I went to bed, I remember starting to fall into a lucid dream. I had them before and knew what was going on, but this time, it didn't feel good. I could feel my eyes shifting side to side under my eyelids, and then immediately after numbers started rifling through my mind. As the numbers started a countdown, I started to panic and felt a panic attack come on. As that happened, I felt like something flew through me as I watched a black mass fly into me. It hit me, and all of a sudden, I felt like I was in a different place, but I was over my body watching my wife try to shake me out of a panic attack. I could feel it, but I felt like my conscious was watching it all. As I was standing there, I never looked away, but knew this black mass was standing next to me. Every time I looked away, I could feel and see this hooded mass wrap its hand around my spine and squeeze so I couldn't look away. It was like it was trying to tell me it was in control. After what felt like hours, I remember managing to say, please pray for me. I thought I was dying. I'd never had a lucid dream like this before. After I shook out, I remember I sat there and prayed to God to save my soul. Then I remember feeling this positive energy move from one side of the room to the other and place its hands on me. It felt like my grandfather. I could feel this positive energy surge through my body and relieve me. Fast forward a few months and I had no problems. Then my wife went and had a camp out with my mom and niece and I was home alone. I remember dozing off again in a very lucid state. As I looked up towards the foot of the bed that was near the doorway, I saw this eight to 10 foot black mass lean its head into my room. It was huge. I'd never seen anything like it before in my life. Then, as I looked at it, it opened its red-orange eyes and it stared at me. All I could feel or think is that this mass was there to tell me 
it will control me and it doesn't care where I am, it will find me and it will terrorize me. I closed my eyes and tried to fall asleep and started praying the Our Father prayer out loud. I fell asleep and dreamt of myself flying until my alarm went off. I told my wife the following day when she got home from camping and she immediately saged the apartment. And when she closed the front door, I could feel this energy leave my body. Fast forward again to a few weeks ago before I found your podcast. It's been almost two years since all this happened. After I was super exhausted, my wife had told me that she had heard our daughter, who was one, almost two, talking to a man in her room. Instantly, in my state of exhaustion, I looked up at my wife and broke into a panic attack. I ran into our room and laid in bed. As I ran through the hallway, I felt something jump out and attack me. It hit me in the same spot in my back I felt the mass hit me before. I went to what I believe was the astral plane. I laid down in bed and I felt it coming on again. This time, I saw a flash of light that led me to an opening by some woods. As I walked to the woods, the trees started to take a shape. This shape was a man that I had seen before. It was the same mass that had attacked me. It was extremely angry that I knew what it had done. It then pointed at me and yelled and I snapped back to my normal state and felt what I had felt before. Re-energized and some type of positive energy had reeled me back out of that astral plane. I have had more than one encounter of traveling there without realizing it until recently. The spirit that attached to me at her parents' house was using these moments of great stress to attach itself to me and at my weakest mental states would attack me and steal my energy. Damn, Tyler, what a good observation. Yeah, what a great observation, yeah. Damn. Okay, so have you been able to rid this now officially from you, knowing why it's attaching to you and how... um. How now you can navigate trying to keep it out of your life. That's what I'm curious about. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Man, thank you for sharing that, Tyler. It must have been traumatizing, man. Yeah. Well, getting hit by Mm. entities, that's always scary. When you physically get touched by something you can't see. I am very open to all this, and but my experiences aren't as full as I would think that they would be by now in my life. But recently, I had my friend Liz over and we were doing some cleansing of my apartment. Apparently, I wasn't doing it fully correctly. And so I learned some new things, keeping your windows open when you do it to allow spirits to leave. Something that you should know. So we had a session and um, we, we left. When we came back, my apartment smelled like cigarette smoke, smoke really bad. And you guys know I don't smoke at all. I actually absolutely hate cigarettes so passionately. It's just disgusting smell. And I was like, this is really strong. And so I asked Liz, I'm like, is, do you smell that? And she's like, yeah. I said, did you smell that when you first came here? And she's like, no. And so that made me, I also had a headache the minute I walked into my apartment and I told her that and she's like, I feel it too. So then we both came to the conclusion that some spirit was not able to leave when we cleansed the apartment. And so we reopened the windows, she worked her magic and 
I actually started to feel my headache alleviate. And then the smell of the smoke had started to go away, too. So, I mean, I wasn't even doing anything. No Ouija board. I was doing pure light energy work, all trying to be good stuff. And still somebody got stuck in my apartment. So, it can happen at any time. I'm grateful it wasn't evil. I did still smell smoke randomly in my house. Uh, It started to isolate only in my room, which is where I do my meditation stuff at. But I haven't smelt it for like the last five or six days. So I think it's officially gone now. That's good. Something I thought about when I was reading this story. Thank you for sharing that with us. Thanks, you know, for listening. You're welcome. You know, Tyler, that was a very intense story to have to, like, lucid dreaming, that's always intense. And I I couldn't imagine being in a place, walking and seeing trees, and then that tree becoming the being that you are actually fearful of. Except I can't imagine it as I'm saying it, I actually feel like I've had that dream before. I can, and now, like, the words coming out of my mouth, I was envisioning that shape-shifting moment. So, I, man, it must be a while, been a while since I had, like, really bad dreams. But that definitely did make me feel something. So, Tyler, I hope that you're doing better, man. And thanks for finding us a few weeks ago and being a part of the family. We appreciate you. Actually, he submitted that back in July. Oh. Oh, so he's ahead of the game. Very nice. Okay. Well, thanks for being a dedicated part of our family. (laughs) (laughs) Love you. Proud of you. Much love. But man, yeah, that story was crazy. Yeah, yeah, it was. All right, so now we're going to move on to our last Listener submitted story, which is from Mr. G. All right. So this next story, like Aaron said, is from Mr. G. Let me start off by stating that I am a believer of the supernatural and never had the opportunity to not believe. My family in general would be referred to as sensitives. And each of us have our own personal entity that follows us each and even when the That follows us each, and even with the birth of my firstborn, I know he has someone with him as well. My mother once upon a time even dabbled in a sort of witchcraft with her sisters. My first story begins when I was a toddler, when we were living in a small apartment house next door to the infamous Bobby Mackey's. Now, if you don't know about Bobby Mackey's, it has been rumored to be extremely haunted. Demonic takeovers, sightings, scratches the whole nine yards. This land surrounding this establishment is known to have had multiple sightings and the reasons behind a multitude of wrecks when passing the establishment. A woman standing on the road causing drivers to swerve and miss her. So being a toddler, I don't remember this event happening, but there is a VHS video of my cousin and myself being absolutely terrified of the kitchen. Staring into the corner of the room, both him and I would scream at the top of our lungs regarding specific areas. The house cat refused to even step one foot into the kitchen, and if it was forced, would scream and scratch at anything in its path to escape. I had told my mother about two men in the kitchen who had wanted to kill us by cutting our heads off, 
and how children are the most pleasant to kill because they scream the loudest. Holy shit. Damn, Mr. G. Again, this was caught on VHS when I was extremely young. It was so bad that we had moved away from this place in less than five months. Later on, my mother would tell me about this place and she explained that she and my aunt had communicated with the spirits in this place with a Ouija board and was told the spirits wanted to kill their firstborn sons, causing the reason for move. Damn, Hulk. Fucking Ouija boards. So growing up, we never stayed in one place for longer than two years at a time. So when I was at the age of roughly seven, we had moved into the house my mother had grown up in. It was a house that I feared to visit even today at the age of 27. This home was a two-family home. The first floor was the floor my mother, myself, my brother, who's three, and my sister, five, lived on. The second story had my aunt, my cousin previously mentioned, and his sister. So the setup of this house was kind of strange. The way to get to the attic was through the back of the first floor and you'd go up these stairs and the attic was fully furnished as a bedroom. Being kids, my mother took the attic room with my little brother while my sister and I shared the bottom floor bedroom. However, things had quickly changed. I remembered this house because this is where I had first begun to really understand the concept of ghosts. It is my first memory of ever seeing a shadow man. Yes, I know how skeptical, right? But it freaked me out. I did what any other seven-year-old would do. And I told my mom about a man in a big coat and a cool hat following me around. I remember how flustered she got and she had asked me if I saw him at all in the room. I replied I did, and that he was peeking in the doorway of the bathroom next to the stairs going up to the attic. She peered up, and her face went white. She had seen the shadow too. After this event, I would see him at school, throughout the house, and wherever. Months passed. My mother wasn't getting much sleep because my little brother would awaking screaming constantly at night. Every night for months. She decided to switch the rooms. So myself and my little sister moved up to this attic room and my mom took the bedroom. From the moment my sister and I walked into this room, we had felt an overwhelming pressure. Both of us were overcome with fear we couldn't really sleep in there starting from the very first night. We didn't even know what it was. We just knew that it was there, watching us, waiting for us. We found ourselves crying ourselves asleep at times. We never played in there and avoided it like Bigfoot does photographs. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. Me too. We got to use that. The real trouble started, though after I'd gotten myself grounded for breaking my sister's arm about a week after we moved in there. Her and I traded blows constantly. She'd break my leg, I'd break her arm. We were in and out of the ER constantly. It had seemed the only time we really got along was when we were in the attic. So I was grounded and my sister was free to do as she pleased. 
I was alone in that room, scared of whatever. After the second day of being grounded, it got even scarier. I heard a voice that had said my name, and I had started to notice the lights would flicker more often. My radio would stop working or change channels completely on its own. On the last day of my grounding, I was being called down to the kitchen where my mom was and was standing at the top of the steps and was pushed with force down the stairs and she had seen it happen. She couldn't cope with that, but it came to the point where I would wake up with bruises and scratches. I started to show violent tendencies. It had gotten to a point where I had almost killed one of my siblings. Then one night, my sister and I was in the attic room and there was banging on our closet door. It opened. After that, I cannot remember what I had seen. I've tried so hard to remember this thing that was standing there. I remember both of us taking off. We ran as fast as we could screaming. My mother was furious, but we refused to go back up to that room. My mother gave us the bedroom and chose the dining room to convert to a bedroom. We couldn't afford to move, so we stayed in that house. We all avoided that room like a plague. We left our belongings up there until the day we moved and only went in in broad daylight. Things didn't stop happening there though. My brother started talking to invisible people and I was there to witness the biggest event. It was late one night and all four of us family members were sharing the king size bed my mother had. I remember waking up just slightly to hear my little brother talking to someone. He was sitting at the end of the bed just having a conversation. He wakes up my mother and he tells her that we have a cop in our room. So the next part of this story is kind of like a a little the mother saying and then the brother. So do y'all want to act that out for us? I could take on the mama role. What's he doing? He's just standing over there by the doorway. Well... How do you know he's a cop, hon? He's wearing a police uniform. Well, how come I can't see him? Well, he died chasing after a bad guy. He doesn't want you to see him. How did he die? He jumped into the river where we go to see fireworks. Hmm. He said the water was really cold and he couldn't swim because he was too heavy. He was afraid to die, but it's okay now. He's been dead for a long time. You should stop talking to him and go to sleep. No, it's okay. He said he's a good guy and wants to be my friend. He says we should move because there are bad people here. You should really stop talking to him. You're really starting to freak me out. Okay, I'll let him know it's my bedtime. Good night, Mr. Parton. See you again tomorrow. The next two days, my little brother talked with this police officer and told my mom all about him. But here is the crazy part. And then he, uh, Mr. G, linked a article from the Covington Police Department that shows Officer Mike Parton, uh, a Covington police officer, dies. This is a news article after he fell off a, a Ohio River bridge and he was chasing a suspect on foot. Wow. Yeah, and this was just posted. Well, it was posted in 2015, but updated. In 2019. Yeah, December of 2015. Wow. Whoa. So, Mr. G goes on to say, My mother had found out who this officer was, 
description, the way he died, his wife, all of it. My brother had been talking to this man for three days. After that, I had never heard from him again. We couldn't afford a TV at this time, and even if there was a memorial or something being shown, there was no possible way my younger brother could have even known or even heard about this guy. I have more stories, such as my littlest sister being uh, speaking to our deceased grandparents, my mother's experience with her throwing away a Ouija board and it showing back up under her bed. And he continues to say, Now to this day, my family and I are still sensitive to these beings, entities, and energy. I know the rest of my siblings interact with theirs more than likely on a regular basis, seeing as they named them, but I choose not to. I myself have been described as a person who can sense others' emotions or in tune with others. I fear that if I open myself up to these energies or beings that I will open a, a world that only the crazy people live, that one day I might run into something that I won't be able to fend off. I know that my follower is with me. He or she makes himself known based on my emotional well-being. And now my son has something as well. And I know at this moment he can see these beings as well as we can see the physical world. And with that, I conclude. What a beautifully written story. It was. I like the little uh, back and forth play that he put inside there. Yeah. yeah. And I read that article and it, actually that officer died in 1998. Oh. Okay. So it makes sense that it happened when he was younger because that's what he was talking about. I was like, 2015 wasn't that long ago and this guy's close to my age, our age. So, yeah, 1998. That is... Wow. I am interested in how this Ouija board story and how it ended up back under your mom's bed. Mm. He did link some photos, uh, just the place where his mom grew up, picture of the house, and then a picture of a back alleyway that he'd sneak through, and then uh, the place that got remodeled. So thank you for sharing all that and your story, Mr. G. Absolutely fascinating. I loved it. Definitely. Mm -hmm. We are really glad that we had time in this episode to put it in. You had so much detail. It was I felt like I was following along like I was reading a book. Yeah, it was great. Great writing, great story. Uh, actually kind of horrifying story that you had to go through that. Yeah. But. but amazing that your family is all connected and, as you said, sensitive to these energies and that you don't close it out entirely. Yep. So, thanks, Brad. Yes, thank you, Brad. Yes, thank you. Stay safe, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, stay safe. All right. Now we're going to move on to some theories we have down for ghosts or entities or whatever. So who wants to cover the first one? I can do that. So this one is time travelers. So this states that ghosts are just time travelers from other dimensions that come and see what's happening. Or maybe that... Uh, they are time-traveling perverts with a cloaking device that are just wanting to watch you at nighttime and try to catch a peek of what you're up to. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know about that one. I know. I'm on the same page. I'm not, I'm not thinking it's going to be time-travelers. I think a time-traveler would be in our dimension. I'm going to have to yeah. start an OnlyFans and start charging <laughs> these people. To watch me sleep or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this next one I kind of believe in more than the one that you just read off. Mm -hmm. This next one's uh, titled Aliens. 
Uh, it says ghosts or aliens from a higher or lower dimension than ours and feed off of our energy of being afraid. Kind of like how the movie Monsters, Inc. works. Okay. I like that one a whole lot. Yeah. I definitely agree. It sounds better than the first one that we had. Um, the Monster, Inc. comparison, I know some people were kind of sad we didn't bring that up for the Disney episode, even though it's Pixar. Yeah. Because uh, it is. It's very reminiscent of how we think of maybe getting adrenochrome and living off the fear of children. So I would think that that would be more negative spirits doing that. But I can see, if you want to call them aliens, beings, higher beings coming down and we noticing them, us noticing them. It often just starts with like seeing something in the corner of your eye. And then I notice when I wear my glasses, I see a lot more things moving around me than when it's just my naked eye. I'm the same exact way. I've been... Since I've been back on wearing my glasses, same exact thing. Dan's like, I live in my glasses, hmm. I know. Oh, yeah. Because I actually say that that little black spot that I've said before comes back every now and then. saw it last night. Oh, yeah. shit. Or could, I was thinking it could be your shadow. Like you working. I know people who have needed to do shadow work. And when like it's very prominent in their life your shadow is like a spirit and it makes itself known. It wants you to notice it. Like, hello, work on me. I've, I need your help right now. Please help me to get out of this darkness. Shine light on me so we could be free and be your full authentic self. And so... Notice me, Senpai. Yes, notice exactly. Me. Notice me, Senpai. Notice me. So I know that you'd noticed it close to when you're one year of your dad passing and so initially i thought it was like your dad coming to get your attention to say hi but also i think right now this whole month has been really strong about shadow work and i am now starting to think like that might have been like right now you're seeing your shadow trying to get your attention to work on some of your personal shit mm. deep rooted we're talking like deep stuff not like what you did last week then my shadow would be like the start of the peter pan movie where it's all on its own it's like on the ceiling because the only time i see it is when my light's on but my shadow would be behind me it's not your physical shadow like it's not like your shadow is everything in your life this life your past life that you have repressed like the biggest one that's really common is men in society today if they are sensitive beings they get told toughen up, be a man. And they're not allowed to be that sensitive person because society tells them you're not allowed. So what happens is, is you go from being the sensitive being and then society says, don't do that. And then you push that being inside of you because you don't want society to, to look at you in a negative way. And then you grow up repressing that part of who you are. And this isn't, like I said, from just this lifetime. This is, uh, this is deep. But until you learn to fully release these emotions and let that being out, you have a shadow from it. So it's not saying a casting of shadow. It's a shadow within yourself. I'll send you some shadow work stuff, Dan. It's, 
I spent two and a half hours writing in a, a letter to myself, apologizing for all the things that I've ever done to myself. And it goes from anything, like absolutely anything that you could think of. You start off with generic, if you want to call it, like, I'm sorry for not taking care of my body better. I'm sorry for not dedicating myself better to this podcast. Like, there's, you just start and then you, I was, I was all the way back to my childhood apologizing for things that I don't even like to bring up. And I had to remind myself that this is not a novel that everyone else is reading. This is something for myself to grow and I could write whatever I want in this and not be concerned if someone else reads it. It's supposed to be a very raw moment for you, but it helps you to become your true authentic self. Interesting. You're going to have to do that, Dan. I'll try it. Apologize for myself for eating a second slice of pie last night. If you feel bad about that, then you, you apologize for oh, that. Oh, I don't feel bad at all, to be completely honest. That shit was good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. I admit, that pie was all good. All right. <laughs> let's, let's go back on the theories. So our next theory is pretty much just like the theory above with aliens, except with demons. If you believe in the Bible, then ghosts are demons that feed off of your energy of being afraid. Which I could see that. Yeah, I, I could see that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's light and dark. That's what I see there. The Monsters, Inc. thing could have easily gone under the demons uh, discussion. Yeah. Very true. Um, so the other one that we're ending on is the half-asleep theory. People are half asleep and are experiencing some type of hallucinations and are not fully awake. Maybe this explains DMT effects. So, like dreaming with the pine- your pineal gland releases the same chemical compound that DMT allows you to trip with. So maybe it has to do something like that. Okay. We've talked about this before, but I believe that that state of sleep that you're in. When you're falling asleep at night, but you're still awake, but you know you're falling asleep before you fall asleep, that is the sweet spot. That is where you have your, uh, I believe that you can meditate into astral projection. That's how you can hear messages because you're sitting in that realm that isn't here, but yet you're aware that you're drifting off to sleep. So... I would further believe that people are seeing these things in a half-asleep state because they are more open to what's around them, personally. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's a hallucination. It's just them being able to see what we constantly close off around us. Yep. The theory we didn't put down was people having these powers and not realizing that they have these powers or realizing that they have these powers to manipulate things you know, in our dimension or around them, you know, so that could be another little theory. We all have the ability to do these things. It's just how open you're able to get your mind to unleash these powers. I know everyone's thinking this bending a spoon with your mind is all fake, but I don't, I think that if you focus in, I, to be honest, I haven't gone and bought forks some stainless steel forks to try this myself but i do believe if you focus enough on an object that you can change or heat up its properties and be able to do something like that i know i've moved 
or made like straight lines with my incense smoke. I don't know if you guys have ever tried this, but it's a really cool exercise to show how strong your energy is. Where you light an incense and you just start focusing at the base of the smoke. And I kind of imagine a, a ball that f pushes the smoke further up and then further up. And then you don't focus on the, the shit that's twirling. You keep looking at the straight line that you're creating. And I've had a line go straight up to my ceiling. And then when I break my concentration, it all stops. It's pretty fun. Man, you're on some woo-woo shit yeah, today. Woo. Is, that, is that the right term? Is that the right term? What's it called? No, oh, no. Yeah, well, people call it woo-woo, but yeah, it's some spiritual shit. That's... <laughs> Everything woo-woo. You're on some woo-woo shit today. <laughs> I knew I had it right. You're so woo-woo. <laughs> you know, I am. That's the first time I've ever used it that, <laughs> that way. Dude, it doesn't I sound am right. so woo-woo. Oh. But that's like, people in our community don't really... We'll say that when we don't know what else to say because... When I hear someone, they usually say, oh, you're into that woo-woo stuff. And it's, it's used as a negative, like you're being closed-minded to saying, oh, you're into that woo-woo stuff. It's spiritualism, like we talked about in the Ouija board episode. It's modern-day spiritualism. And I just, I'm open to shit. I'm whatever. I'm going through so much personal stuff right now that this is in my life every single day. I can't. I'm not trying to escape it. I want to embrace it. I want to be able to see these extra... Ex I want to be able to see these higher beings. And that's my own personal journey that I'm on right now. Not everybody's ready for it. But if you are at all feeling a calling to do something, you should jump on it. Because this is a time of transformation. And the world is on a hyper speed in progression. And letting us to develop these abilities way faster than any other time in history. Nicely said. That's very nice. Thank you. Thank you, guys. You're so amazing. We keep spreading love in the world, and I love it. There it Me is. Me too. All right. Has anybody got anything they want to add to this episode? Anything um, they want to discuss? I guess, do you guys have any personal stories? That you wanted to talk about? Not necessarily, no. Not at the moment. I've just had little Maybe stuff. Maybe in the future. Are you saving it for other ghost story episodes? Yeah. My shit's not really that cool. It's just things that have happened. Always when I was a kid, um, we lived in this one house for a very short time. Pretty sure we were squatting in it. Very much like Mr. G, I moved around a lot. I did not go to the same school for more than a couple of years until I got to high school. That was the first time I ever spent four years at school. And in this house, I remember we had a room that was kind of like a mud room right by the garage. And that was one of our bedrooms. And right through it was the kitchen. And my sister has always had these two bears called Big Bear and Little Bear. And like actual bears, yeah, they're like white polar bears. Wait, oh, you mean like actual? Okay, no, stuffed bears. Come on, Aaron. <laughs> okay, just making sure. I was like, wait, hold the <laughs> fuck on, hold on. Your sister raised bears. Hold on, it's a big thing to leave out. <laughs> she had two stuffed bears. Big bear was a giant bear, and little bear was a little version. And 
I remember being in this bedroom and him moving. Big Bear moved. I also had one of those monkeys you get from the zoo that like Velcro has really long arms and he Velcros around your neck and I, I that was like my stuffed animal I collected on myself. I was attached. I used to collect a lot of things. Anyways, in this moment, I remember that monkey grabbing me with his little Velcro legs. And in this and this always happened when I was in this stupid room. I remember laying there at night on another occasion and looking in my kitchen and watching the cabinet door open on one of the cabinets. And my sister saw these things too. The cabinet was one that we saw more than once. Uh, we would feel like there's an entity at the end of the hallway. I don't even remember going down that hallway very often. Uh, I We weren't in this house for very long. Like I said, I'm pretty sure we were squatting in it. So um, that was one place I remember. There was also red blood on the carpet. But my parents told us it was paint. So I don't know what it really was. It, oh. Yeah, someone could have just been murdered uh -oh. in the house. And we were like, we're just going to stay here for a little bit and then head out. <laughs> yeah, uh, don't, don't worry about that mess there. You won't see <laughs> much. And another time was we had a house in Pennsylvania that our attic was really weird. Like some of the ones that we heard about in there where it was like, once you hit the landing to go to the because it was yeah three stories to go up to the attic which was a finished room it got cold and that's where my room was with my spice girls posters up with my sisters all sharing it up there and we always felt like there was something in there with us they had the little doors that are up there and we're like we don't want to open those what the fuck's in that thing i don't want to go but uh it's it's there and in the basement of that place, we always felt like something was in there watching us. And, you know, you have like little things where you're like, oh, I heard something. And then you'd run and go, um, sister, sister, did you hear that? Oh, my God, someone just spoke to me in there. And they're like, oh, no, you're, you're crazy. And then later on, they'd be like, oh, my God, something just happened to me while I was in there. So we've always like lived in creepy places. I feel like there's always something attached to one of them. I had an apartment where this lady got murdered down the, like, you have apartments that face each other, and this one lady got murdered at the very end of it. Um, I used to be friends with the boy who lived there. It was a damn cheating situation. She's pregnant. A man came in with a shotgun and shot her in the stomach and killed her and the baby. Yeah, it was damn. intense stuff. Holy smokes. Well, then. Yeah, they, they wasn't playing games. So... Thankfully, I don't have any negative spirits following me. Uh, in the Ouija board episode, I did talk about, I had a friend in high school, or sorry, a friend in middle school who, um, I, I don't know if she would consider herself Wiccan or, or what at the time, but I, one thing that she said that always stuck with me is that she told me she could see a man standing behind me, and he has two daggers. But she never could tell me whether or not he was there to protect me or if he was following me in a negative way. I often think about this guy and I am curious if he still follows me or if he was a spirit guide that was only in my life for when I was a child because I did have a pretty traumatic childhood. So he was protecting me because my I'm a generally positive person, but as I'm learning through my shadow work, I have a lot of traumas that I've suppressed 
that I didn't even remember until recently. And so I probably could have received a lot of negative energies trying to come and take me over because I was weak. And this being that my friend saw was there protecting me from these evil entities trying to take me over. Hmm. Double daggers, you said. Must have been a rogue. (laughs) I mean, I'm curious as to who it is. I know I've had a palm read done by a, a... old friend of mine and she told me I had two spirit guides but you change your life path changes and the beings that help you along the way change based off of what you're doing so I'm sure that there's probably you got like a solid person following you but it would be cool to have another reading like that to know but yeah those are just a couple of things like some some scary stories but like just weird shit that's happened to me as well over the years. Thank you for sharing that. Yes, thank you. You're very welcome. Oh, yeah. All right. Dan, you got anything? No. Sadly, I don't. Neither do I. I'm saving mine till next time. Save it, Aaron. Such a tease. Teaser. I always am. Well, that is pretty much it for ghost stories. So, as you guys know, we did a poll on voicemails and whether we should move them to our Patreon-exclusive episode, and we got a yes. The majority of you guys said, yes, we should move them, because you want to have more time for content, which was kind of what our thought was on it as well. We'd rather be able to give you that extra 20 minutes of an episode and put voicemails on Patreon. So, yeah, uh... That's what's we're that's what we're gonna do with voicemails. Uh we're still gonna have um shout outs and stuff. And we're gonna do that real quick. We got a few. Uh Dan, you wanna go over yours? So first shout out I am going to give is to my buddy Blind Jimmy. He sent me an email a couple days ago. He sent me an email. He's like, I hear you referencing DBZ a lot on the show, so I thought I'd shoot you a pic of my Trunks and Gohan tat that I drew before I went blind. Also, I wanted to ask for a shout-out before y'all got too popular and stopped doing them all together. Well, we're not going to stop doing shout-outs. So here's your shout-out, Blind Jimmy. Love the tattoo. Keep watching DBZ. Dragon Ball Super. Let's go. Yeah, I love you, Blind Jimmy. Love you, tattoo. It's pretty nice. Then a couple on Facebook say uh, shout out to Bobby, Kaiser Soze, Mark, Wyatt. Then a correction for who I called the snake guy from our cryptids episode. He's not a snake guy. He's a reptile guy. Oh. Because he has lizards and all that too. So, but, you know, I just wanted to make that correction for him. It's awesome. And he sent some pictures of his lizards that he has. Pretty cool. I'm a snack. I'm a, snack. I'm a lizard. Like a snake. But yeah, just wanted to say thank you to those guys for hitting me up. Thank you. Nice. What about you, Anna? What do you got for Twitter this week? Bobby Caster just joined us on Patreon. Um, I actually just saw he was in the group getting welcomed by the family. If I just invited um, him. <laughs> I, I was just about to do it, too, and I saw his name pop up. I was like, oh, he's already there. Sweet. Um, I got a video from Off Brand Post Malone. 
that is a military dude throwing a grenade in a deep hole. And it said, he added us and said, Mel's whole episode be like. And yeah, that thing went off and it hardly did anything. So I don't know how deep that hole is. But oh. um, Casey Curry said that he loved listening to the podcast and he looks forward to every new episode. He joined us on Patreon and he's loving the Discord. So thank you, Casey. Um. Yeah, I mean, I don't have too many shout-outs this week. That's about it. Appreciate you guys. Thank you for the love. Yep. I want to shout-out everybody on Instagram. Uh, not, I don't have any real specific shout-outs. I mean, I've been chatting with people on there, just showing them love that they show us, you know, showing it right, giving it right back to them. Um, But, yeah, that's pretty much all I have. I wanted to shout-out everybody on Discord. Thank everybody on Patreon. You guys are amazing. You allow this show to continue to go. For sure. So with that being said, I want to thank you all for joining us today. And again, thank you for all your support. You are amazing. Every single one of you. So with that being said, Dan and Anna, you want to roll us out? Sure will. It's okay to be out of this world with your thoughts. Because you're not alone. Ooh, spooky. Spooky, spooky, spooky.